2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it has been a great day. And if you're visiting with us uh, today, it's your very first time being at Crossroads. Uh, A little bit different format than we normally would have, just with missionaries being with us. And uh, I appreciate all of the... uh, missionaries that have been here and sacrificed uh, their time to be with us. Someone said years ago, uh, when you give someone your time, you've given them something that you can never get back. And so I appreciate their willingness to come and be with us. I think the only missionary family that you did not see uh, on display this morning, and uh, Robbie, if you and uh, Miss Lauren will stand up, uh, this is Robbie and Lauren Prater, and uh, they're going to Paraguay. And uh, before you clap for them, yesterday was their one-year wedding anniversary. So congratulations. So you guys can sit down. But uh, thank you guys, all of our missionaries, for being with us uh, this week. It's been a joy to get to know you and uh, looking forward to the days ahead and hearing of fruit that remains. And uh, so excited about that. How, is, how important is it that we keep our word? How important is it to you? We saw in the first eight verses of this chapter on Wednesday evening uh, that this church had made a promise a year ago but had failed to keep their word. They had made this promise, made this commitment that they were going to get involved in world evangelism. And think about their world revolved around Jerusalem. They spent time there annually before Christ. They would go every single year there and they would give offerings on that day of sacrifice. And you think about all that they went through and all that they did. You think about here today, they made this commitment. Titus had come through town and shared the burden, shared the need, almost like a missionary presentation. Here's a need. There are people who need to hear the gospel of Christ. And they said, yes, we are in. And a year later, nothing had changed. They had not given an offering. They had not gotten involved. And maybe they were supportive from a distance, but you could not tell. And we've all been there before. We've heard somebody share a need and we've made an emotional decision but never really done anything about that decision. We've all been there. Uh, You hear somebody present uh, maybe about Poland or about Ukraine and say, man, I would love to get involved in that. And before the end of the day, you've already forgot about it, gone on with the rest of your life and said, man, I'm going to do something and it never happens. And I want to challenge you this morning to, uh, as we say uh, quite often, we've heard all of our lives, it's time to put our money where our mouth is. And it's time for us to actually do what we say that we're going to do. And that's what Paul is writing to this church, uh, a very uh, selfish, uh, prideful church in 1 Corinthians. But they had grown a little bit. And they had matured a little bit. But as we see here in verse number 9, God makes it very clear that while he does not uh, command us per se to be involved in this work, he does expect us to be in this work. And not necessarily a command, and Paul makes that very clear, but he does expect us to be involved. But he does not expect us to do it all by ourselves, And that's where we're going to focus. Let's look at verse number 9, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And just read a couple verses here this morning for context. Verse number 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that he, ye through his poverty might be rich. 
And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient or proper for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore. A year ago you made the promise. A year ago you made the commitment. Now. It's, it's a year later. Now. It's time to act. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word and thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for the music, Lord, that encourages our hearts, points our attention upward. Lord, you are our king of kings. You wore our crown of thorns that we each deserve to wear ourselves. And Lord, we thank you. But Lord, help us to prove, as we saw Wednesday night, prove the sincerity of that love. Lord, it's easy to say we're thankful. It's a whole other thing to prove that we're thankful. And Lord, we ask that you please speak to our hearts this morning from your word. Challenge us, we pray. Lord, please speak to my heart. Please cleanse me of sin, anything unconfessed in my heart that's not pleasing to you. Please help me to be clean as I preach your word to your people. And uh, Lord, thank you for the visitors who have come this morning. If there is one here either in the room or watching online that doesn't know you as their personal Savior. Lord, they've never understood that they have a need for you. Lord, help them to see that need presented today. Lord, please speak to us and give us what we stand in need of. We love you and thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down number one, the example in verse number nine. The example. Paul told them in verse number eight that this is not a command. He said, you don't have to do this, but you might think this morning, uh, Pastor, if they didn't have to do it, why do I have to do it? But as we'll see in verse number 9, even though we don't have to, we should want to. We see uh, the position that is mentioned. The ultimate example is the Lord Jesus Christ in Scripture. No matter what uh, the analogy is, He is our example. We see His position on a clear display in verse number 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor. Uh, He was rich. He removed himself from his majestic position in heaven and came to sin-filled earth because he loves us. He lived among men and all the while Jesus retained his position in heaven. He retained his Godhead, his position in the Godhead, fully God yet at the same time fully man. He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. All of the things, the feelings, emotions that we experience, he experienced those exact same things so that he could say, I know what it's like. I know how you feel. He was rich, yet he became poor. He was rich and had it all, yet he gave. He didn't have to come, but he did. And Paul emphasized that they would know this. And today you and I should know the same grace. It says in verse number 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we live in an age of grace, by the way. Romans chapter 6 and verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. We are saved by grace. Those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ, Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. 
We are sustained each day by grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 10. Uh, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And then we're strengthened by grace. We see in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But not only are we saved by grace, we're strengthened by grace, we're sustained by grace. We see that never been a lack of grace. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's grace and grace and grace and grace. And uh, people say, well, pastor, why do you make such a big deal about amazing grace? Because it is truly that. It is amazing. The fact that God would send His only begotten Son for people who do not deserve Him. And just in case you haven't realized by now, that's us. We don't deserve Him. We didn't deserve salvation. Yet Jesus paid the price. That was mercy. But the fact that Jesus offers us a home in heaven, offering us something free that we don't deserve, that's grace. And because he has given us grace, we've seen grace, we've experienced grace, we should in turn give grace to others. The context of this passage is specifically talking about our giving. But this morning we're not just talking about our finances. How about your service? And when was the last time you gave grace to someone else? Oh, pastor, I don't have that many friends because I don't like a lot of people. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone needs grace. And if you've received grace, it is now your obligation to pass it on. You know, when you think about when I serve in the nursery, not me. (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, When you serve in the nursery on Sunday, that is an act of great grace, you know. Uh, When you teach a class, That is an act of grace. When you sing a song, that is an act of grace. When you play the saxophone, that is an act of grace. Uh, When you preach, when you counsel, when you pray for one another, all of that is an act of grace, and it is now our time to show it because of the example that we have in Christ. His position, number two, we see is poverty. Not only was he rich, but he became poor. He didn't just leave to take a vacation from heaven. Well, I'm going to go down to earth and see how, check in on them and see how they're, no, no, no. He came for a purpose. He came here. He wanted to share what he had with us. And he said so in John chapter 14 and verse number 2 when he said, I'm going to go back to my father's house. And if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you that one day when I come back, you can come with me. That was his purpose. And everything Jesus had in heaven, he gave up for us. He wanted to share that with us. So what does that mean to me? What do I have that I could give up for someone else. If giving is an act of grace, then how can I show grace to other people? That's the question for today. And I'm not asking you to go out and put your house on the market tomorrow and take the proceeds from that and give to missions. That's not what I'm saying. Although I will say if God tells you to do that, you need to be obedient. But that's not what I'm saying this morning. I'm simply saying that you need to ask the Lord to show you what you can do in this area called missions. See, the Bible is very clear that he calls all of us, the Lord Jesus in Matthew 28, well read this morning, that we are all to go. But if we're not going to go and live in Poland, then we've got to send somebody to Poland. 
Because those people, Jesus died for them too. If we're not going to go to the Ukraine and we're not going to live there, then we need to send somebody to go there. If we're not going to do all that, a lot of movement this morning from our teenagers. You guys help me with that, if you will, please. Uh, This is important. When we talk about what we're called to do, we're called to give grace. We should ask the Lord. And I would bet that all of us can do more in the areas that we're called to give than we are right now. I'll just be honest. James chapter 4, verse 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. There would some be some in this room who would say, Pastor, you know what, I, man, I'm stretched. I could not possibly give one more dime than I'm giving. I mean, uh, the church is getting everything I got. But yet, we have no problem paying $200 for cable. We have no problem paying $700 for a vehicle every single month, which makes me want to choke. We have no problem having the biggest house in the neighborhood. No wonder we can't do anymore. And no wonder we can't give when a missionary gets up and says, man, think about all these people who are at threat of dying, who have to live under the constant fear and thought, today could be my last day on earth. No wonder we can't do more. No wonder we can't get involved. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about being homeless. I'm just talking about sacrificing something so that others can hear the gospel. And would canceling my cable or dropping back, dialing back one notch, would that really be considered a sacrifice when it comes to sharing the gospel? We're already in debt today, by the way, to a man who became poor for us. He gave himself, and we're indebted to him. So how can you and I repay that great example of love. We do that by proving our love in giving to others. That's how we do that. You see, we've been made rich. It says, yet for your sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. And if God wants us to be involved in his work, don't we think that he will empower us and give us opportunity to do that? We see his example. Number two, we see the expectation that's given. Paul gets down to the nitty-gritty here. In verse number 10 and 11, we see the propriety in verse number 10. Again, Paul gives it advice, not a command, but says that they should be compelled. He said, here and I give my advice. This is what's good for you. This is something that, yeah, I'm not going to command you. I'm not going to put a dollar amount on it that you have to do. But I'm telling you, based on what Jesus has done for you, we love him for he first loved us. There should be a want to. And you think about all of the things that we have to do between Sunday to Sunday. Man, I have to go to work. I have to make sure that my kids get off to school. I have to make sure that my, my house is clean. I have to make all of those things that I have to do. But what do you have in your day-to-day life that you get to do? You know, if somebody called you up and said, hey, I want to take you out to the nicest, fanciest restaurant. That's not something you have to do. That's something that you get to do. Man, we would reshuffle and rearrange. I'm going to make sure that I get to do that. You don't have to, but it's something you get to do. And we see Paul says, I'm just saying, do you want to? Do you want to be involved? When I think about what Jesus did on the cross and how he assumed my debt and he took my place, assuming that, then how could he ask for too much from me? 
all of the things that he's done. Paul wanted them just to honor their word. And when we make a commitment, we should honor that. Ephesians, or excuse me, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 4 and 5 says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. And then he says, Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. When we make a promise, we should honor it. When we take up our cards here in just a few moments, uh, somebody move mine. Uh, but when, when we take up those cards that you were handed on the way in this morning, in just a few moments, there is an expectation of this is what I'm going to do this year when it comes to missions. Paul wanted them to understand the importance of being honest in honoring their word. Acts 24, verse 16, Paul says, and herein do I exercise myself. This was a decision that Paul made for himself. And he said, I want to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. I want to make sure that I have a good conscience. When I honor, I'm going to honor what I said. Proverbs 12, verse 22. Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. They needed to honor that commitment. If Titus were to come back, as Paul is talking here in verse number 10, if Titus were to come back without an offering, it would show them that they, it would show the church of Jerusalem that Corinth didn't really care. But if he came back with an offering, it would show that, man, they really do love. So for us today, which category are we in? You know, we had the metal detector out on Wednesday night, and uh, we were talking about how there should be proof when you take that metal detector and you beep, you know, you get that noise. What does it prove? That there's metal there. But if we were to take a love detector and we were to scan it over our hearts, would we find love there for lost people? Would we hear any noise or would it just go silent? Would we hear something? Luke chapter 16 and verse 13 Jesus said, no servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or the things of the world, or the things that we like to hold on to that are under our power. And Jesus is saying, you're going to have to choose. At some point, you're going to have to choose one or the other. You have to make a decision. And he said, I'm not going to make you. There's a propriety here. But number two, he said, there's a passion here. Verse number 11 he said, now therefore perform the doing of it, that is, there was a readiness to will. There should be a desire, a want to. And we talked about it Wednesday, but it all starts in our mind. A readiness to will. See, God doesn't see the portion. I think we all understand. God doesn't see the amount. God sees the proportion, which means what we hold back. Remember the story in Mark chapter 12, verse 42 through 44. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites. Now remember, just like us today, you know, we, we, we've kind of gone away from passing the offering plate. We have boxes in the back uh, to receive offerings when people come in or go out. But it was very similar in the temple. There were boxes mounted along the back wall and different funds were labeled for what people were giving their offering to. And People would come into the temple and they would give their offering on the way in. In plain sight of everyone to see. And imagine they got this box attached to the wall. And this woman, this widow woman coming in and dropping in two mites which was just a piddly offering. It was nothing. And yet Jesus said in verse number 43, he calls his disciples and says, This poor widow hath cast more in than all they which cast in the treasury. All these rich millionaires dropping in big bags of money. And Jesus says, hey, she did more 
How is that possible? How could you? Was Jesus like having an off day? I mean, what is it? Verse number 44, Jesus gives the explanation. He says, for all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in. Here it is. All that she had, even all her living. Hey, God doesn't look and say, what do you give? God looks and says, what did you keep? What am I giving? But rather, what am I keeping? George Mueller said, God judges what we give by what we keep. God judges what we give by what we keep. And when you give, let me ask you this morning, and we're not just talking about financially. When you give, what do you hold back? When we offer to him something, are we holding back something? You know, think about all of the things. Do we even have a desire to give? We saw the propriety. We saw the passion. Number three, we see the performance in verse number 11. It says, now perform the doing of it. It was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance out of that which ye have. See, there's a difference between a promise and a performance. Hey, I am going to be there. But if you never show up, it's just empty words. Hey, I, I am going to go to lunch with you after church today. You know, and that person says, yeah, where are we going? We're going to Mi Rancho, which everybody knows. If you've been to Mi Rancho, that's pastor's favorite Sunday afternoon spot. But uh, anyway, and I'm telling you, it looks like crossroads south at Mi Rancho on Sunday afternoon. I'm telling you. Hey, good to see you. Hey, good to see you. I mean, it's literally like I just saw you 10 minutes ago at church. Because uh, booth to booth to booth. And praise the Lord for all of y'all uh, going. But you think about there's a difference when you say, hey, we're going to meet at Me Rancho. And I go and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And I've eaten three bowls of chips and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm not even hungry anymore. And you never show up. I've called you 14 times. Where are you? See, there's a difference in a promise and a performance. See, filling out a card this morning is a promise, but it's not a performance. Filling out a card is simply just saying, hey, I want to be involved. And if you have a sincere desire in your heart, the next step would be to come through on that promise. Imagine if we said, we're going to have a night of worship this coming Friday night. We're going to have the music team's going to be here. We're going to have lots of music. Team's going to play. We're going to be encouraged together. This coming Friday night, you get here and you show up and Walk in here and there's nobody on stage. There's nobody getting ready to sing. And you start thinking, man, what's, what's going on? Team doesn't show up. The singers are mad at each other and say, man, I'm not singing tonight. I don't feel like it. You know, the, you, some even said, man, I didn't really want to come in the first place. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to participate in that. You might step back and say, you know what? This is disgusting. This is ridiculous. You, know, you said that you were going to do this. And we were coming ready to be involved in this. And man, this, is, this was going to be encouraging. And now, we just wonder if your heart's in it. You know, I wonder when we make a promise and we don't keep it, if that's how God looks at us. He says, you know what, that's disgusting. You know, I expected you to be involved. I expected you to take part. But now there's no even guarantee that you even love me like you say you love me. Think about that. A great example of this behavior is Jonah. Think about the life of Jonah. If you just read Jonah chapter 2 and verse number 9, when Jonah gets right with God, and he says in Jonah chapter 2 verse number 9, I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. Now, if you just read that one verse, you think, man, Jonah was an awesome dude. Jonah was an awesome preacher. Look at what he's saying there. But for the rest of us who know the story of Jonah, 
we know the big picture. So you can't just look at one singular act, one promise, because you get to chapter 4 and verse 1 through 3, and Jonah is ready to die and die in anger. It says in chapter 4 verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry. What happened, Jonah? Things didn't work out the way that he wanted them. And how many times are we like Jonah in our giving? Make a promise, no follow through. Make a promise, hey, I want to get involved. I'm going to do this, God. I promise. But there's no effort and follow through on our part. We see that there's a great example in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see there's an expectation. Paul says, this is right. This is the right thing to do. You should follow through on your word. And we should. But then number three, and lastly this morning, we see the equality that's mentioned. Verse 12 through 14, this great truth that God never expects us to do all the work by ourselves. He shows us at the end of verse number 11, he says, a performance also out of that which ye have. And then in verse number 12, we see what we store. What we store in verse 12. It says, for if there be first a willing mind, which we've already talked about that, it is accepted according to that a man hath what he already has, and not according to what he hath not. He's saying you are to look at what you already have instead of looking forward to what you're going to have down the road, what you don't already have yet. Anybody ever heard a bird in the hand is worth more than what? Two in the bush. It's better to look at what you already have in your hand rather than, oh, you know what, I could go get those, but I don't have them yet. I'm going to get that. All right, Lord, when I, uh, you know, Pastor, when I win the lottery, when I win the lottery, Pastor, we are going to be so better, so much better off. But if we can't be trusted with what we have right now, why would God give us more? Say it's it's all about what we store. We've all heard someone say, "If you give this gift, God will give it back fourfold. If you send me an offering, that God will just." Pour, up, pour out all these blessings on your life. You know, if that were true, they'd be sending you money so that God could bless them. But they know what we know, that it's all a bunch of hogwash. It comes back to that's not how God works. See, God takes our gift and multiplies it for His service, not for our selfishness. God takes our gift and multiplies it for His service and not for our selfishness. We're simply asked to give out of what we already have. I have heard faith promise preached so many times in my life. And the majority of the times I hear it, this is what I hear. You're supposed to pray by faith. You're supposed to make a promise based on this fictitional number that's in the cloud somewhere. And when God gives you a number, that's what you write down, whether or not you have it in your bank account or you have any idea of knowing where it's going to come from. Anybody else heard that in your life like me? All right, a couple people, all right? That's how I've always heard it preached. Do you know that's not biblical? It sounds good in a missions conference. Man, we had $500,000 committed. Yeah, but you only got in $5,000. Because you're teaching a faulty way of looking at Scripture, what God is 
expecting. Look at verse number 12. It is, according, it is accepted according to that a man hath, not according to that he hath not. He looks and says, what do you have that you can give? Which makes total sense. Which talent do you have that you can share? Man, I sure would love to play the piano like Miss Pat. And man, when I learn to do that, I'm going to do it. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Hey, what do you have right now that you can use for him? How can you serve right now? Faith Promise Missions is all about saying, God, out of what you've already given to me, how can I use that for you? And God, if you give me more, I'll give more. But how can, you, how can I serve right now with what you've given me in the moment? See, giving might not always be fun and enjoyable, but giving is always right. Giving is always right. I'm thankful that we have a great church that gives their tithe. And I would encourage our church family to do more in the area of missions. Less than half of our church family right now is involved in missions on a consistent basis. And I won't sit back and I think, man, how could we do more? What could God do if more people were involved? So we see what we store, but not only that. Lastly, this morning, we see what we share. And I want to illustrate this this morning the visual man will you come up and help me and uh, if you'll set up that cot that'll be great and uh, that way we can and we can do this and, and since you uh, you helped uh, you're very familiar this is kind of your field not mine I know it's not your cot and uh, that's okay uh, because you're the one that's going to be laying on it so it's all good uh, but yeah you're hey I love you proud of you uh, but one person we think about let's let's read verse 13 and 14. He says, but I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Now let me stop and say this. Equality in Scripture does not mean what our world thinks it means. Our equality in our world today is everybody should be treated the exact same way And if you don't agree with us, you're trash. That's what equality looks like in our world today. Hey, if you don't agree with me, you're the one who's wrong. That's what equality sounds and looks like today. But in Scripture, it's talking about fairness. What is fair? Now, it says, I mean that ye be eased and not other people burdened. So when we think about a cot this morning, Manny, I want you to take your position, my friend. All right, and uh, all right, this is a step of faith. It is faith promise. Keith, I'm going to need you this morning. And uh, Austin, you okay to help me pick this guy up? If, if it's going to hurt you, uh, you got to work tomorrow. So uh, come on up here. And uh, Austin and Keith are both police officers. Appreciate their service. And uh, you can clap. That's okay. So... What we've got is we're going to have Keith and Austin pick up Manny. Okay? But what I'm going to do is illustrate verse number 13. It says, I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. Now, what I'm going to do is while they're holding him, Brandon, I need you to help me. And Tim, uh, why don't you come up and help me? Kahili, uh, come up and help me. And uh, Aaron, why don't you come up here? And uh, let me see who else I'm scanning. Clinton. 
Clinton, your honey's not with you today, so you can help in the illustration. So uh, you come on up here, and uh, let's see, Tucker, come up here and help me, brother. And I, Tucker loves getting used for illustrations, and uh, Gabe's not here this morning, so Tucker gets to be used. And uh, let's see, uh, Mike, why don't you come up and help me, if you will. And uh, this, this illustration is getting ready to be visual real quick, but it'll make total sense, okay? Missions giving is a group effort, is a group effort. Missions giving, when Paul is writing this, he's saying, hey, this is not for one or two choice people to do. This is for everybody to be involved in. This is something that everyone should share the load. All right, so Keith and Austin were my first two guys. However you guys want to pick him up, not pick the cot up, and hopefully the cot doesn't fall apart with, with Manny in it. That would kind of ruin the illustration. All right, okay, now, these, these, yeah, that's right. So, now, you all right? Okay. So, Manny, you okay? I'm good. All right, just checking. All right. So, now, that's right. That's right. So, just being a vessel. That's all you are today, being a vessel. Uh, but, now, we, these guys, I mean, what they do and how they're built, they could, they could tough this out for a couple minutes, all right? They, they could, a couple minutes. Well, we're going to go to lunch and then we'll come back. Uh, but, they could do this for a few minutes, but it would be a whole lot easier if they had help, yes? Yes? Now let me stop. It, say, Pastor, can we keep doing what we're doing? Yeah. We can do it for a time. Where we've been, what we've done, and how God is blessed? Yes. But it would be a whole lot easier if more people were involved. So uh, how about we get Mike and Brandon, you guys take on one side, maybe right there in the middle so that uh, Manny doesn't have a major accident and break his back. You guys kind of grab on. All right, now let me ask you this. Did it get easier? You are sweating, man. Golly. All right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it got a little easier. All right, Tim, you and Aaron come in. Maybe go over here next to Keith. And All right. There you go. All right. You guys not actually hold something, okay? All right. Uh, not, not just look like you're holding, okay? All right. Uh, Tucker, you come over here. Clinton, you go over there. And you guys actually hold on there, okay? Now, can you tell, honestly, can you tell a difference? Okay, there is a difference. You, got, you guys can lift up, man, if you want to. Just, you know, all right, all right. All right, all right you guys can come down a little bit. Keep holding. Yeah, that's right. These guys are sweating up here. You can't see it, but they're sweating. Uh, but here's the thing. All right, now, now let's finish the illustration. All right, Clinton, let go. All right, Tucker, let go. Aaron, let go. Tim, let go. Brandon, let go. Mike, let go. All right? Now, it was easier, and now it's back to the way it was. It's not as simple anymore. And sometimes we say, you know what, Pastor, hey, I need a break. I made this commitment, but, man, I, I got to take some time off. I, I got I to take a break. And that sounds good, but what if 10 people do that? Now, all of a sudden you got more weight on people who it's like, hey, it's, that's not fair. I mean, I, don't, I mean that you be eased. Hey, I want to make it easier on you, not more burden. Thank you, guys. You can set Manny down. But when we think about yeah, Manny's sweating too. Thank you, guys. Give my hand. But <laughs> missions was never meant to be, rest on one person. Missions was never meant to rest on two or three select people. Missions, giving to missions is supposed to be something that we all share in. 
How do we do that? Here at Crossroads, we have a large missions program. We have 81 missionaries. It takes $7,675 a month to support all the missionaries we support. And I'm thankful for that. We don't apologize for that. But when we think about that, that amount has to come in every single month. Our missions budget is set up based on commitments that are made, largely in part to. Last year, $86,000 was committed last year. Say, Pastor, did we meet that? Oh, yeah. And that we received this past year up to last Sunday to date, from October 1st to last Sunday, $118,000 came in for worldwide missions. And that's a blessing. And that is something to praise for. And we took that money and added it to what we had in savings, and we sent out $150,000 in the last 12 months of missions. But here's the thing. There should be enough people sharing in that load. That way it doesn't fall on one or two people. It's a group effort. And if we were to break down, say, Pastor, how would we do that? If I'm not involved in missions, what is my part? If this is going to be a fairness, then what's my part? We'll have some slides on the screen for you to see. But if we were to break down our church family by family units, we would look at it like this. We have 194 family units in our church. That's not individuals. That's family units. That could be a single. That could be a family of 10. 194 family units. If each one of those family units were to share the support just for the missionaries we have right now, it would take $39.56 per month per family unit. That's not a lot. And when we talk about worldwide evangelism, that's not a lot to support 81 missionary families. That would break down to $9.30 a week or $1.32 a day to support 81 missionaries. For you to be a part of what God is doing in 81 different places around the world. That sounds like, man, that's, Pastor, that's not really a lot. But when only a few people are involved, it is a lot. We're talking about the equality, the fairness. Uh, but Pastor, you know, Pastor's always talking about adding more missionaries. And thank the Lord, this past year we've added six new missionary families to our, to our family of missionaries. And that's an awesome thing. But there's four missionary families here this morning that we don't currently support. And if I was to poll them and ask them to be honest, you guys kind of want us to support you, yes? Yes. All right, there we go. But if we were to add, just say over the next 12 months, if we were to add 10 brand new missionary families, 10 brand new missionary families, how much would that cost? That would break down to $5.15 a month additional, $1.21 a week additional, or $0.17 a day to support 10 brand new missionary families. Now, let me just be honest. My favorite drink at Starbucks costs seven fifty. So if I were to give up that drink, listen, one time a month, then I could give on top of what I'm already giving and support 10 new missionary families. That's not a lot, church, but that is what we're talking about. So if I were to skip that, I would say, all right, pastor, if we were going to add 10 new missionary families plus what we got, what would the final be for my family unit? Your part would be $44.71 a month. $44.71 a month. $10.51 a week or $1.49 a day. And I know that some people, that's an average. Some people can do more. Some people can do less. But we're talking about being fair. We're talking about sharing the load. And we're talking about taking a step of faith Because you don't know what your schedule and your calendar and your finances are going to be 12 months from now. That's where the faith comes in. Lord, I'm going to go ahead and commit to do my part in what you want me to do 
for missions. And missions starts at home, by the way. So ask yourself before I give financially, who am I witnessing to? Am I praying for our missionaries? Am I getting involved in what God is doing around the world through missions? But here's the last verse, and I want to leave you with this. 1 Kings chapter 17. You remember the story? 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah is called by the Lord to go down to Zarephath, to a Gentile region, and to live off of the support of a widow woman. When we meet that widow woman, she is gathering sticks, getting ready to collect her last meal with her son. They're going to fix a meal, and then they're literally going to starve to death. And Elijah makes this bold statement and request of her. He says, hey, I want you to take your last meal, and I want you to give it to me. Now, we might think, man, what a selfish thing for this guy to do. But there was a spiritual application behind it. And what happened in verse number 15 and 16? And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She trusted. And she and he and her house, her son, did eat many days. She had her last meal. But what happened? And the barrel of meal wasted not. She just had a little bit of flour. And neither did the cruise of oil fail. That oil that she had to make that cake, or I like to think jalapeno cornbread. I'm a visual person. According to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. What did she do? She took a step of faith. And said, you know what? This might be the last $10 I have. But Lord, if you can take it and you can multiply it and bless it, I'll give it. It's the little boy's lunch, y'all. Hey, that little boy had no way of knowing when he gave his lunch to Jesus that day in a crowd of thousands. I'm not going to get to eat. But he has the greatest story to tell, doesn't he? Because of my decision to take a step of faith and give. Hey, he didn't say, man, if I cross a McDonald's and I get some miraculous money somewhere and I get a thousand cheeseburgers, I'll give that. No, no, no. He gave out of what he had. And he gave everything he had. And this morning, church family, we're not saying, hey, we're going to say, I'm going to give $1,000 and you got $5. We're saying, what can you do in the area of missions? At the end of our life, and I'm not guilting you into anything. This is all Bible. When we look at God's word and we look at the sacrifice that God has made for us in sending us a Savior, what price is too much to give so that others may know of Jesus? Every head bowed. Every eye closed. A predominant missions emphasis Sunday sermon. But we wouldn't have missions without Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you don't know about Jesus and what he did for you. He came to this earth and he lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death so that you and I might have life. He lived and died so that one day when we die we can live. And he did that for us out of that love. He loves us and he offers us something that none of us deserve and that's salvation. And maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I don't know what that's about or I'd like to talk to someone. Or maybe you would pray there in your seat and you would talk to the Lord about what he's spoken to you about. Could I just encourage you that salvation is simply knowing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Believing that Jesus died, was buried and rose again for your sin. And now lives for you. 
and then simply calling and asking him to do what he's already promised he will do. He'll forgive you. Simply praying right there in your seat or speaking to someone and praying a simple prayer, acknowledging your sin. Hey, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that if I stay the way I am, I deserve to be separated from you for all eternity. But thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me my sin and come into my life and be my Savior. That's what salvation is all about. And then taking steps of faith along the way as he leads you to take. It's not some magic prayer. It's not getting baptized. It's not being a church member. It's all about what have you done with Jesus. And this morning, I would challenge you, if you don't know anything else, we're not talking about money. If you don't have Jesus, that is your first step. That is the most important step. And maybe right there in your seat, you would simply bow your head and invite Jesus into your life. Would you do that today? If you've already done that, then what does he want you to do in this area called missions? How does he want you to give of yourself? Maybe not just financially, but sacrificially in service. Your time and the abilities, the talents that God has given to you to use for his glory. He didn't just give them to you so that you could say, wow, look at me. He gave you gifts and abilities so that people could say, wow, look at him, Jesus. Not us, but him. And maybe this morning you would simply surrender a part of your life to him, whatever that may be. We're going to take our missions commitment in just a few moments, but let me just challenge you right in this moment. We're going to sing in just a moment. Pastor Tim will lead us in that song, Jesus, thank you. Maybe stop and just pray, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you expect of me today? Father, please bless our time of invitation and do what only you can do. Speak to hearts. Lord, please show us how we can get more involved in this area called missions. Lord, I ask that you please speak to hearts, those that may not know that they're saved. They may not know that you are their Savior. Lord, please help today to be their day where they call out to you. Maybe for the very first time and acknowledge your presence in their lives. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us and proving your love for us. Lord, help us to prove our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us, please. We're going to sing that song, Jesus, Thank You. Our personal workers are down front. would love to take the Bible, pray with you, encourage you. Personal workers behind you in the back. If you need to speak to someone this morning, don't leave without talking to someone, praying with someone, being encouraged. We're going to sing this song together. If you need to pray with someone, I'm going to be right down front. You need to take a step. Do what God wants you to do this morning.